What a wonderful day together. I'm excited to be able to celebrate. I want to just start uh, by asking you a question. Have you ever had plans that failed? I don't mean this morning, right? Like if there's a spouse saying, yeah, that outfit you were supposed to wear. Not that. I mean plans that fail. We face that in life, don't we? And on a day like this, a question like that may seem disconnected from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I think that much like this normal moment of baby dedication of Elias, much like this gathering of the church, which is a regular occurrence, not only on Sundays, but throughout the week, I think it's one of those things that we have to wrestle with at different times. I do see that Bridge 46 is making their way out, and I'm remembering now that was the announcement I needed to make. (laughs) Our fourth through sixth graders can make their way to Bridge 46. Miss Anna, thank you for, they have such a special time planned. If you're our guest... My name is Chris. Anna is the leader of Bridge 46 for our fourth through sixth graders. They have a special class planned at this time. They'll make their way back in at the close of the service. You know, in worship today, Jen Lewis read for us the account of Mary going to the tomb and finding the tomb empty. And it's such a wonderful account. I mean, I loved hearing you just rejoice as a church at the reading of that. But let's not miss how that moment connects to another account. In John chapter 11, that's going to be our passage today, if you want to go ahead and turn there. John chapter 11. When we look at this passage, we realize that Mary and Martha, these sisters, they know Jesus well. They know him so well that they send a note to him knowing that it's going to get to him. Now, you may think, well, that that doesn't seem like they know him very well. It's not like they could text him. They know him so well that they send him a note and they know it's going to get to him. They're in that close of relationship with Jesus. They know him well. He knows them well. And what they're sending in this note is something that they believe that Jesus would want to know. But before we get to all of that, we need to recognize these sisters had a plan. These sisters had a plan. They're telling Jesus about what's going on in their situation so that he will do something about it. They want him to be aware that their brother Lazarus is sick. The reason that they want him to be aware of that is they know that he can do something about it, and they think that if they send him a note, he will heal Lazarus. Now, they are close with Jesus because he does get the note. He gets the note, and he responds differently than they may have expected. So they have this plan that they've been putting in place, and then Jesus responds in what we might consider curious or head-scratching ways. He responds by saying that this sickness won't lead to death, but when we get into our passage, you'll see just 10 verses later after he says that, Lazarus is dead. That's head-scratching for us, isn't it? Then Jesus, because he loves Lazarus, and because he loves the sisters so much, says, I'm not going to come. I'm going to stay where I am. I'm not going to visit you. Well, that's puzzling. That's something that doesn't seem to make sense in the midst of all of this. But he gives them the reason why. In John chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, he says, The purpose of this illness is to glorify Jesus and to glorify God the Father. And we have to recognize something. There's nothing that we face in this life that is not on purpose. You know, this weekend represents an anniversary for our church, but 22 years ago, I woke up this morning in a hospital. Stephanie and I, as well as our oldest son, who was about six months old at the time of this, or three months, excuse me, 
We'd been in a head-on crash in the middle of the Ocala National Forest. I woke up in the hospital with uh, dislocated and broken uh, ribs and, and a broken sternum that I'll still feel shift to this day, these 22 years later. I didn't even realize this. I had written this into my notes, and I didn't even recognize that this was the anniversary weekend until this morning as Stephanie and I were brushing our teeth, getting ready to be here. Life-altering. Something that you face that you, you don't understand what is happening here. I remember that weekend vividly in my mind. And I remember a pastor some months later asking me, do you believe that God is the God of accidents or is he the God of on purposes? Let me tell you, my heart was not ready to hear that message at that moment. But it rolled about my mind as we faced the different things and the different trials that came out of that head-on collision. Do I believe, do I believe that God is the God of accidents or on purposes? What a test. That came back? All right. This will be my just in case for his on purposes this morning. <laughs> Which is not the theological point I actually want to make. It doesn't matter what we face in life, does it? It could be an impossible boss. It could be bills that are overwhelming. It could be a dysfunctional family. A loveless marriage. There's no circumstance that we face in this life that we don't have to wrestle with this question, how can I glorify God in the midst of this? Now that sounds great sitting here all dressed up on Easter Sunday morning, doesn't it? But in real life, this is how I respond. What's the fastest way I can get out of this? Perhaps you know that feeling as well. But we're called as those who follow this risen Christ to answer the question, how can I glorify God in this? And this is what begins to lead us into our passage today. See, the, our passage today in John 11 is going to show us that the glory of God and the love of God, they're not opposed to one another. They're not at odds with one another. They're not the opposite of one another, where we're just looking at it and saying, well, this must be that part of God's character where it's His glory and not His love. How often do we separate those two in our mind? And not see them as working together for our good, which is this Christ-likeness that he is creating in us. They're not at odd. Jesus stayed for the glory of God. And Jesus stayed because he loved that family. And we're going to see this today. See, our call is to refuse the temptation in life to put the two against each other. God's glory is displayed in his bottomless love for his people. And that's directed and poured out to you and to me today. And as we go into our text, in John chapter 11, verse 17, we need to understand that the more deeply we know and we walk with Jesus, the more readily we will understand God's glory as our greatest good, even when it feels like a momentary bad. John eleven seventeen. 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus 
had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. It's a lesson that we all have to learn, isn't it? The discipline of delay. Perhaps you're trying to save up for something. Perhaps you're just waiting on a moment in life. I think about the the different times that there's a delay. Sometimes that's even part of the plan. There's a delay. You, You may be in a last year of school, a senior in college or high school, and you're just chomping at the bit for that graduation day, and yet there's a delay because it's a saved date on the calendar. But the discipline of delay is a lesson that we all face in this life, isn't it? It's something that's very difficult to learn, especially when it seems like God is the one who's doing the delay. It's what we encounter in this passage And we recognize that it's only the grace of God that would enable us to accept this kind of wide variety of responses to a delay from the Lord. Imagine if his answer is yes or no or not yet or even this, yes, but it's going to feel like no. When we have to learn that lesson of delay, we realize that this is when Jesus being the resurrection and the life is where he is always writing a better story than what we could pin for ourselves. He's always up to something that is far better than what we could even ask or imagine. And Martha and Mary would soon find this to be true. But what we begin by seeing in this text today is we enter into the pain of grief that Martha is facing. Martha is in pain, no doubt. Now, in Jewish culture, when a family member would die, typically the deceased would be buried on that same day. Verse 20 shows us that this is during the first week of deep grief, and after that relative's burial, would, there would be time mourning, and so we see Mary seated on the floor as Martha goes out to Jesus. That would be around seven days. It's known as a, a shiva, and it's still practiced in Judaism today. It's my understanding it's very helpful for the, the practice of releasing grief in one's life. They are in the midst of that. And when Jesus arrives in Bethany, he's at the home of Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. Four days have passed. Now, that timeline is not insignificant. Lazarus is dead, dead. There's no doubt. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't something where it was like, maybe after two days of not breathing, he's fine. I don't know what medicine was like in this day, but apparently four days was significant. He was dead. There was no doubt. And in the midst of his sickness, when they see this coming, Martha and Mary, they reach out to Jesus to let him know about what's going on. Remember, they had a plan. They called out. And he could have fixed Lazarus. No doubt he has the power for that. He'd already actually displayed that, and we'll see that further on in our text today. 
But Jesus didn't come in time. Not from the world's standards. And so we encounter, in the midst of Martha's pain, disappointment and confidence. She's disappointed that Jesus didn't come and heal, to be sure. But she expresses a confidence deeper than the disappointment. She expresses a confidence when Jesus responds, saying, your brother will rise again. How does she respond to that? She knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus could have healed Lazarus, and she says to him, I don't know what you can do now, but I know you can do whatever you want. And she bases that on what she's learned from the Old Testament. She bases that on what she knows from the stories of old. She knows God's promise that this life is not all that there is. And that's true for us today as well. And so when Jesus says, your brother will rise again, he's talking about something far deeper than this physical life. Even bigger, even more remarkable than this life. He's encou- she's encountering that this life, this physical life is not all that there is. He doesn't say, I can resurrect people. He doesn't say, I have life. What does he say? I am the resurrection and I am life. Now this morning, that's important for us to understand because we are being reminded that our hope this morning is not in the resurrection. And you may think, like, you're saying that in church on Easter Sunday. I know. Because our hope is not in the resurrection. Our hope is in the one who was resurrected, Jesus Christ. So we're rejoicing on this day of resurrection to be sure. But not in that event. We're rejoicing in the one who was himself raised. See, nothing can hinder him from giving life. Because he doesn't have life. He is life. When I'm talking about life, I'm not talking about the the physical breathing in and out that you're doing today. That is a gift from God to be sure. That's all from Him as our source. You have life. I have life. He is life. And He tells those who believe that though they will physically die on this earth, they will never spiritually die die for eternity it's an amazing truth he's making this promise don't worry about your spiritual life ending and this is how it is that we can live with great hope for the future we hope in jesus christ we believe like martha that he is the son of god he is the one who has come into the world just as god promised and he is here to rescue us from death and from hell We know that he is the only one that we can trust in with our lives. So we give our lives to him, even as was so beautifully displayed just a moment ago in dedication of a young child. That's how we're called to approach the Lord. It's a helpless child coming to him and saying, my life is yours. We continue to read John chapter 11, verse 29. When she had said this, that was Martha, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went out to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village. Remember, Martha went out to see him. Jesus is coming. I have some things to say. (laughs) But was still in the place where Martha had met him. That's where Jesus was. 
When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep weep there. Remember, they're gathered around to console her in the midst of this moment. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Here's where we see that they're beginning to to put some things together in puzzling ways. As we enter into this picture of Mary's pain, after Martha has responded in such tremendous faith, she goes to her sister Mary, and she goes to her and says the same thing word for word to Jesus. How often had they practiced that speech? How much in their grief had they talked about, when he gets here, let's say this to him. When he gets here, let's say this to him. That was their plan. They were sure that Jesus could heal Lazarus, but he didn't. Jesus knew what he was going to do. But notice how he doesn't respond to Mary. He doesn't say, watch this. He weeps. He weeps. He enters into her grief. He meets her in the place where she is in that moment. He ministers perfectly to her for what she needed in that moment. Same line from two different sisters. Same faith that is needed. Engaged in two very different ways by the same Savior who's enough for both of them. He and his reaction is powerful. He is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus is not removed from your pain or your heartbreak. Jesus is not removed from emotional pain that you may be facing or physical trials that you may be walking through, things that trouble your spirit. Here we see that He is the perfect Savior because He knows how to enter into that pain perfectly. Here we see that telling, rather than telling Mary to wait, he weeps. You know, the biblical response to those who are in pain should first be empathy. It's right to walk through grief with someone before we start trying to conjure up solutions. Jesus weeps with those who weep. Romans 12 tells us as followers of Jesus to weep with those who are weeping. And in Mary's moment of sorrow, Jesus enters into her pain with her. For us today, Jesus continues to step into the greatest moments of grief that we'll face. He comes into those moments of hurt, confusion, loss, trial, and he comes into those moments to minister to you perfectly. That's what it means to live in the power of the resurrection to receive Him as one who can comfort you perfectly in the midst 
of hurt, confusion, loss, pain, and trial. We are to live by Jesus' example as a church. Jesus enters into grief before he exiles it. He comes to them and he meets them. So church, we can't be afraid to enter into people's pain. And I think that this is a call for us to be more like Christ in this way. So often we shy away from the uncomfortable. We turn our head or try to smooth over brokenness. But out of love, may we learn to sit and weep with those who weep. May we pray for a heart that breaks with heaviness when others suffer even as we continue to learn from this passage today. John eleven thirty eight. 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe and see that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips. His face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let them go. Here we encounter not Martha's pain, not Mary's pain, Jesus' power. Here we encounter Jesus' power. He came to the tomb, he orders the stone to be rolled away, and in the midst of that, Martha objects because she knows that the, the process of decomposition has begun. And he reminds her that there is something far greater at stake. It's the glory of God. Notice how even when our faith is small or absent, Jesus perfectly and patiently reminds us to hope in the glory of God. And in that moment, he seeks to renew our faith in him. God desires that all of his children would come to him in times of loss in times of hurt, in times of pain. And the wonderful news is today you can continue to come to him just as you are. Just as you are. Just like we see with Martha and Mary. You see, their words were the same, but their posture was different, wasn't it? Martha runs to him. She's active. She's upright. Mary falls at his feet. She is passive. She is prostrate. Martha said the things that she had to say to his face. Mary cried them at his feet. But in noticing the difference, where Martha needs intellectual propping up, Mary needs emotional support, just like so many of us here today. Martha needed to know that Jesus was in control. Mary needed to know that Jesus cried. How did Jesus handle both of these things? Did he rebuke them? Was he reserved in his response? No, he met them exactly where they were. He met them exactly where they were, standing or prostrate, needing intellectual or emotional support. One of them is evoking theological truths. The other is evoking the tears of our Savior. Poet and author Thomas More wrote it this way to summarize this for us today. 
Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Jesus prays then to his Father in heaven. The one who has all authority and issues the command, Lazarus, come out. And he exits the tomb alive. Jesus once again demonstrates that he is the great I am. Hearkening back to the burning bush with Moses. Hearkening back to those moments as God is revealing himself. Jesus is the divine one. But this miracle was about something far bigger than removing their grief. It was about restoring life. There was this witness to death's demise. It was high noon, so to speak. They were lining the streets to watch the the duel between Jesus and death. And that would have never happened if Jesus would have submitted to the plans of the sisters. The end of this passage is almost anticlimactic when you think about the remarkable things that are happening here. Jesus revealing himself as divine, giving a different response, pointing to the glory of God. It just seems to end so quickly with these words, unbind him and let him go. And yet there's redemption in those words for every one of us today. Because if Jesus really is life, the reason it's anticlimactic is this wasn't a fair fight to begin with. The outcome had been decided long before these events. It was a mismatch from the moment that Jesus was born. When Lazarus walks out of the tomb, he's still wrapped in the funeral garments. And so I have a question for you very simply today. Do you believe? Have you received this life from Christ? I mean the spiritual resurrection, not the the air that you're breathing A spiritual resurrection that removes you from, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, being dead in trespasses and sins. God warned Adam that disobedience would bring death, physical death, yes, the separation of the soul from the body, but a spiritual death as well, the separation of the soul from God himself. Revelation 20.14 calls hell the second death. Make no mistake, That's an eternal death. See, what the dead need is not more education. What the dead need is not the right medicine or a sense of morality or a new religion. They need new life in Jesus Christ. When dead sinners hear the voice of the living Son of God and believe, they are given this gift of eternal life. To reject this risen Savior is to be dead forever. But let me just tell you this. Salvation is not a set of rules. It is life itself. And this life is a person. He's embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to ask you very simply right now to just close your eyes and bow your head. Like Martha, you have questions. You may be like Mary. You may understand where she's at. You you have these needs to be met. 
Either way, you find that your heart tends to run from God and rebel against him in those moments. And the Bible calls that sin. God loves you and wants to save you from sin. His glory is displayed in his love for you. One of the acts of his love was the death that we memorialized on Friday night. And his triumph over death is celebrated today on Resurrection Sunday. He wants to save you from your sin and offer you a new life of hope. And he invites both those with questions and with needs to come. He invites you to him today. Now, to receive this gift of salvation, God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. In, in the book of John, in chapter 14, Jesus states, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. There are no works that are enough. There is only Jesus who is enough. Receive his gift today by faith alone. What do I mean by faith? Faith is simply this, a decision of your heart demonstrated by the actions of your life. If you trust that Jesus died for your sins, to receive new life through him, would you just in your own heart where you are right now pray this prayer to express repentance and faith in him? Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died to forgive me of my sins and I now accept your offer of eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for my new life. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. Now, if you've trusted in Jesus for salvation, would you just simply do this for me? Just share that decision with those that you came with today. If you're not here with anyone, thank you for being here with us. One of our pastors would love to chat with you. We'll meet you in our connect room in just a few moments. And if you're not already attending a church, we would love to welcome you to learn how to worship and grow in your faith right here alongside of us. We're beginning a new series in the book of Galatians next week, which is exactly about these things. But can I ask you to take this step as well? As a visible demonstration of your faith in Christ's example, would you be baptized? Would you be baptized? Now, twice in Scripture, we see that Jesus' eyes are filled with tears. One time, as he's looking over Jerusalem, he weeps for the nation. And another time, on the way to a friend's grave, he weeps with those who grieve. What an incredible Savior. Not just weeping for us in our sin, but weeping with us in our suffering. That's, that's the wonderful part of the good news of this gospel for those who believe today. Because in those moments when your plans fail, in those moments when life doesn't go like you planned, in those moments where you are wondering what is God up to, where you may feel like you are some pawn in some holy chess game, here's the truth of what's happening in that moment. If you are learning to trust in Jesus, that is a moment you are experiencing the resurrection power and triumph of life over death. That is a moment you are encountering that in a most practical way because as you're learning to trust in Jesus, you are saying, I am leaning into the power of life over death death 
for those who believe. What we celebrate today, what we read about 10 chapters later in the book of John, there's another resurrection coming. And as big as this one is with Lazarus, the one we celebrate today, if that was a gut punch, the one we celebrate today is the knockout blow. It proves that he can not only promise, but he has the power to fulfill it. Jesus is life and death never stood a chance. Jesus and death fought. Jesus got the last word. And up to this point in Scripture, death always had the last word. It would sweep in. Whoever was in the way lost. Death seemed to always get the last word. Even if a person seemed to rally, death would eventually silence them. And this passage is filled with hope for you and for me today because no occasions feel more helpless than when there is loss through death. It's all over. No more chances. No more hope. Death seems to have spoken. It seems very final. But not anymore, church. All of Scripture testifies to this. He has the final word. And what is his final word? I am the resurrection 